1: Hello and welcome back to the West Ham Breakdown on the back of a week where West Ham put in another quite underwhelming performance. Um, Maybe that's a bit of an understatement, but cheesed uh, another win through the exceptional individual ability in the side. And actually, let's give them credit. They never say die attitude in the squad. They're very committed and trying their best to be the best selves in key moments of games and we were more direct towards the end of the game and that really helped us and uh, unfortunately for burnley probably put in one of their better performances at home um this season particularly in the first half controlled the game um at times i think we allowed them to do that a little bit too much but unfortunately for them that sort of brittle confidence of a size struggling uh, for points struggling for results really showed up in the in the last period of the match too many simple free kicks dropped off too much um potentially maybe changed a little bit too much as well from from the bench uh, and um, and as a result um, came a cropper to a team that does have a lot of kind of single ability uh, players that are very <laughs> good upside in in certain moments. I do feel a bit strange about watching a team that's got a midfield blend of uh, Thomas Suchek and James Will Prowse in it when one is there to whip the ball in and one is there to nod the ball in and then you're, the rest of the time you're looking at them going... Um, What's going on, lads? But no, we're going to give James all Proud's credit in this episode because when we're looking at those goals, um, we think he did some of the important work we've been asking him to do. I am, of course, as always, joined by Cal. Um, Cal Goodall, uh, we're both a little bit old this week. Um, but I'm hoping you're doing a little bit better than me. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think I'm on a delay, I think. I think I will probably be more ill in a few days. Um, My partner's been off work all week and I was kind of teasing how, oh, it's not going to get me, it's not going to get me. And now I look like a dick. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, no, uh, good to be back. Uh, Yeah, I I agree. I I think the performance was kind of everything... I expected against Burnley, though. I really, I, I wasn't sitting down watching it, thinking, "Yeah, this is going to be a ripper of a game." Uh, but, um, but yeah, I suppose three points is is what we went for, and and, and we came away, like you say, thanks to Big Tommy Suchek again. Um, I think if we're going to drag positives out of it, he's definitely one of them, uh, and it's yeah. great to see him throwing his stuff about in the box again. Uh, the shackles are off, I guess.
1: <laughs> He's just so good, isn't he, about uh, being a, a threat in, in the box? And it's good to see him back to being that sort of box and box player, even if he wasn't allowed to do it for a lot of this game, starting at number 10 and then eventually dropping into a deeper position. I think that midfield duo is, is hellish, but it, it did work for us in, in the game as it was because we were able to be direct chasing him. So we weren't looking to, to Ward prowse and Suchik as a double pivot to, to fluidly build up because that would not, <laughs> not have worked well. Um, but yeah, he was able to get forward, able to help us out in terms of winning second balls and stuff from a deeper position. And I thought, um, we looked quite, well, I wouldn't say good, but all right in the last sort of 10, 15 minutes of the game. Players coming to life. We're going to talk about, Obviously, the key man as part of that, Mohamed Kudus, later in the episode. Um, but the first thing we're talking about in this episode is, of course, welcome to the West Ham breakdown. What do we do here? We talk about build-up and um, <laughs> yeah, when we come away from this game, what are the main things to talk about? It's that first half. It's the disappointment of it, the lack of control that we had in the game, and um, and what causes that. We've spoken a lot about David Moyes and his preference for wide combinative build-up, how his teams actually do that very well, how West Ham tend to do it quite well, how we've done it better this season with Emerson uh, included at left-back, Pakatar moving across to the, the left side of the pitch, their relationship really helping us and actually helping players like Daname Sufal as well by dragging opposition teams across and creating the space that, that people like Sufal or Kudus or Bowen um, need to really thrive on the other side of the pitch and be their very direct selves as, as attacking players. But in this one, it seemed as though we wanted to try and control a little bit. We wanted to overload the last line understatement. And um it seemed <laughs> as though there were long periods of the first half where we were playing a 3-1-6 shape um with uh no midfield, just vibes. And uh it was sorely lacking in vibes, so it was no midfield, no vibes. And um I, I think our big question afterwards is is why why was it not a three two five? Lots of teams do that. It makes a lot of sense. You get the right support that you need in the middle. Um, why was James Wool Prowse left alone all by himself, lonely in the middle of the pitch?
0: yeah uh it was incredibly frustrating i think for a couple of seconds when we first when i first saw we were building up in a three at the back i was like oh come on this is what we wanted a little little drop in an extra man in there building up with a three rather than a two and then i saw okay well (laughs) it makes absolutely no difference if you're just going to bypass the midfield anyway like the whole point of building up in a three is so that it's easier for us to play through the channels and get it into the middle third and have two people there to receive it Ideally, Ward Prowse and Paqueta, Uh and instead we we leave Ward Prowse on his own, just just kind of floating about um, against a fairly. I mean, Sandeberger is not a small guy. That's quite the mismatch. Um, and yeah, Pakita's just up there, and as a result, we ended up. Like, I mean, of, of all the games where I thought we could, yeah, potentially. Maybe see us try and keep it on the deck a little bit more and fizz it about a bit and, and sort of impose our quality in terms of um, us having the the better quality players um, and sort of assert some dominance against, so far, the worst team in the league. I think I wouldn't say that they play the worst football. I think they play some nice football at times, but they are bottom of the table. Uh and therefore we should have gone there with a bit more bravado. And this was the perfect game to experiment and try this 3-2-5 that we've been talking about. Uh, and instead, we matched uh our long pass percentage. <laughs> uh, we opened up with 13% of our passes going long, which away from home with such a good squad against the worst team in the league is just not what I was hoping. And yeah, it, it's like I said, if we're gonna if you're gonna drop that man in to create a three and build up, then it's just completely made redundant if you don't have the two people to receive off them because inevitably we end up just punting long anyway and if you're going to do that you might as well just play a 3-7 or a 2-8 <laughs> just really pad it out
1: <laughs> yeah I think look I think West Ham are really really good at being direct and being sort of classic David Moyes I think we're a better team when we do that and I think we saw that at the end of the game I think the frustrating thing is when West Ham try and do that with a striker like Danny Ings on the pitch Um and it, it ends up not making very much sense because you punt the ball along. Your striker's not really adept at winning aerial duels. You're forced to, by the way, by the shape because we're we're very obviously only going to be able to build up down the flanks. And and teams, you know, even Burnley, who probably aren't you know the best defensive team in the league, um, are, are able to slide across happily and 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 defend against that. Lots of situations in the game in the first half where. No, Alvarez drops off, as I think he probably should, creates that three. No one drops into the space that he, that is then left by him leaving the midfield. Um, so Walpraz is left alone, as we discussed. And it basically means it's very obvious for the defending team. Alvarez is going to pass the ball to Souffal. Souffal is going to pass it to Kudus. Um, or on the other side, it'll be a Gerd to Emerson and Emerson to, to Paquitar. That's kind of it. That's what's going to happen. And there are a lot of moments in the game where, um, yeah, Kudus is receiving back to goal. Defender straight on his back. He's having to turn straight away and uh, not turn. He's just having to play it straight back to to Sufal because what's he going to do if he comes inside, which he's good at? And we're going to talk about later in the episode why he's good at that and why it helps Sufal and how that relationship can can blossom. But if there isn't that extra midfielder in the middle of the pitch, if he tries to spin on the inside, receiving with player directly on his back when he's not already on the angle he's creating a really, really high chance of a turnover. I know he's a good player and he's going to win those more than he's... Well, not necessarily more than he's going to lose them, but en- enough to create good upside for us as an attacking team. But when he does lose them without an extra player in midfield, there's just a huge gap for for Burnley to run into. It creates a problem for us in transition. So I think both from a defensive shape, you know, from a rest defense perspective, I don't like it. Midfield is Ward-Prowse alone. I don't like that. Yeah. I don't think that makes sense. And then from a build-up perspective, it also doesn't make any sense and the big thing like you say you'd really want to see Pakitar dropping in there to help out being part of that double pivot situation or double pivot in possession build up um, possession uh, with um, with War Prowse and it, it, it just seems odd to me that a lot of what he was doing was was coming inside Emerson advances and he's, he's, he's occupying a sort of left half space position um, when We've got Suchek on the pitch as well. He's not a comfortable receiver. So why can't Suchek be in that position? Um, And then Pakata can just drop off. Because a lot of what Pakata is doing is we're trying to receive in those areas off of that Gerd, off of Ward-Prowse. But it's really hard for us to access him in enough space where he can actually create something. And secondarily to that, I pointed this out on my Twitter, but because the team is so coded into playing through the wide areas... If you find, if you do access Paketar in those situations, well Prowse isn't naturally looking for the run that then makes him available in the centre of the pitch that creates chances to be dangerous in the centre of the pitch. Paketar just naturally turns out and plays to Emerson anyway because that's what we're doing all the time. So I think those things combined really create situations where it's difficult for us to build up and control the game and particularly, most frustratingly, difficult for us to try and control the game in the opposition's half and and this is the kind of game where you really want to see west ham doing that and too much we see us being forced to play it long because when you try and build up in the wide areas you're going to have to hit channel balls quite regularly it's going to be part of what you do and and that necessitates you know a striker who is going to be able to be physically imposing uh, uh, press really quickly uh chase things got the speed to chase things and create issues for for defenders that force them to make mistakes, force them to turn the ball over. We see situations earlier in the season, um, what was it, the Brighton game, where it, it's, it's a ball into the into the channel of Antonio chasing and it creates a, a goal for us. Um, Ings is just not, you know, I feel sorry for him sometimes. Sometimes you look at him and you think he's not performing at his best level. Obviously, it'd be really, really good if he could perform to a better individual level. But in this game, I don't think he was particularly bad when he received the ball below hip height. <laughs> The rest of the time, I just feel a bit sorry for him. What's he going to do? He's not got the physical attributes. He's not rapid. He's not going to be able to chase everything down really, really quickly. And therefore, we have a lot of situations where the ball goes into the space where someone like Bayern or someone like Antonio might be able to force something positive for us, force to throw in whatever and create um, a platform for us to go forward from. Um, and, and Ings just ends up sort of chasing, arriving too late and, and, and Burnley play it back to the keeper and then build up down the other other side of the pitch where we're, we're, we're then underloaded. So um, a lot of things that, that are sort of very confusing uh, and point to all of the issues that we've spoken about for a long time on this pod and, and beforehand, where you just think that... Um, from a profiles perspective, as we spoke about, I think in the last episode or the episode before, we're not recruiting midfielders that help us, um, in these areas that, you know, the kind of, this would be the kind of game where you'd want to bring someone into the midfield unit who is more confident in the middle of the pitch. Who can sit in there alongside Ward Prowse and just help us control the game with the ball a little bit better. So we lack that kind of profile and, um, I'm sure Moyes would probably point to that as well when he's looking at the squad makeup and say, yes, I'd like to get Paketar back in there. But look at the chance that he gives up in the first half where he just falls over on the ball 25 yards out from goal and creates a really good opportunity for Burnley. Um, So, yes, the profiles aren't there, but then we don't help ourselves by... As is the big hot button issue of, of the week by starting Danny Yings over, over Mbama. If we're going to be forced to, to be direct, if we're going to be forced to, to build up down the wide areas so that when we're getting into positive four positions, the outcome is likely going to be across. We don't have the kind of physical presence that we need in the, in the striking position to, to make the most of those moments. Um, so the big, the big issue, I think for everyone is that with, with what Mbama brought when he came onto the pitch, does that make him now the the out and out second choice striker at West Ham? What well, third choice behind Antonio and Jared Byrne? for me, I think yes.
0: Yeah, I, I think I think it has to um, for as long as yeah, for as long as we're gonna play this way and we've seen nothing there's two avenues to go down right it's either you change tactically to facilitate a smaller striker like Danny Ings and we've not seen any signs that we can do that because we're still persisting with a with a style of football that relies so heavily on building down the channels out wide and resorting to going long when when we're frustrated so much that that isn't working so if we're gonna do that and that's what we've seen and a lot of the time, when, in fact, every time we've seen Ings play, that's what we've seen. So there's literally nothing to suggest that we're going to change tactically. So therefore, if that is the case, I think it's been an, it's been a long enough experiment for me to have confidence in the results at this point. And the results are that Danny Ings does not work in this, in this style of football, unfortunately. Um, I think, yeah, like you've said, I think we were frustrated with the signing at the time, but it it wasn't frustration or (laughs) it was slightly, I guess, but it wasn't, predominantly frustration because Danny Ings is a bad player I don't I don't think he's a bad footballer he's a good Premier League striker in the right system and he's he's had prolific seasons when he's been used to his strengths the reason we were so frustrated is that even before his arrival we had seen no signs that Moyes could could coach anything other than this style of football that isn't to dump on this style of football this style of football does work it is effective when last to, to where Ryan. we are you know yeah it's exactly
1: we 're much better off right now than we were before he before he came in you know we 've been really good it 's what I said on on, on on Twitter before I took a break you know we 'll we'll probably look back on this time as a golden era, even even if at the time we 're complaining about the things that aren 't going well because that 's the natural condition of a football fan we 're going to complain about the things that aren 't going perfectly we will probably end up looking back on this time in the future and saying actually things were pretty good we 're in europe consistently and and we had a way of of getting results, even if the performances weren't always amazing
0: yeah I think that's it and and for all its strengths as everyone knows unfortunately the system is so dependent on very small number of individuals Antonio arguably the most important of of the 11 on the pitch probably closely followed by Thomas Suchek I would say or if we're going to take it at a macro level a tall central midfield player who can attack the box and defend in transition and dominate the box from set pieces both offensively and defensively and then you've got the the outlet striker, who's a physical specimen that can carry the ball forward and and yeah, provide that outlet. Um, that is Antonio. And without him...
1: And also, just got to say, your really excellent centre-back has to be there as well. you well, yeah.
0: Need. Your, yeah. Your, your, your aerial
1: <laughs> monster at the back is, is, yeah. is a must.
0: Yeah. Um, but we've got those at the minute. They're fit. We have Suchek at the minute. He's fit. And when Antonio is out and we're not, blessed with Bowen up top who has been the one sort of unicorn almost that's 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 shown that it works without the physical specimen because he's physical in different ways he still gets stuck in and and he's blessed with the pace to get in behind which Danny Ings doesn't have so I think when both Bowen and Antonio are out you have to play with the second best option that suits stylistically the Profile of striker that you need. Forget about how good they are, or how good you consider them to be, or how experienced they are. You go right. Okay, I need someone who can do this, do this, do this. Don't care what level they've done it at, but I need them to be big. I need them to be physical. Otherwise, it's not going to work. Mobama is the guy, and I know that Ings is more experienced. I know that Moyes keeps saying, "Oh, there's not many 18-year-old strikers in the Premier League that are, that are doing this, doing that, whatever." There's also not many strikers who have shown the same level of physical, uh, like imposing physicality that Antonio has. But in glimpses, we've seen glimpses that Mubama could develop into that player if you give him enough minutes playing that role. So we're kind of hamstringing ourselves because there's there's a chance that Mubama could develop into the, the next Antonio, probably with slightly more technical finesse in front of goal. I don't think that's... <laughs> we've seen how prol- prolific he was at the youth level. Like he, he can find a corner far more frequently than Antonio would. Um, so I think by not playing him and not allowing him to, to become that Antonio role would... We're just, yeah, it's, it's not even a rock and a hard place. It's just, it's just shit. Like we're watching Ings try and do something that he can't do, and we're not letting Obama show that he could potentially do something. So it's just, yeah, it, yeah, it's just silly.
1: The differences that are worth pointing out here, playing devil's advocate, and I don't, I, I agree. I think Obama should be ahead of Ings, um, in, in situations really, if given the way that we build up, given the way that we play. Um, <clears throat> but it is worth saying that. Um, what Mbama does lack is the sort of technical security that Danny Ings does have. So when he does receive the ball defeat, Ings is going to keep it most of the time. Um, Mbama, not necessarily so. And the other thing that's worth saying when we're talking about finding players that are like Antonio, you, you can't underestimate the importance of Antonio's carrying, the way that he can yeah. carry up the flanks, his dribbling, his take on success, all of that stuff. And actually... For all of Mobama's strengths, that's not something we've seen yet. That's not something we've seen that he really has. He's not going to move out into the wide spaces and, and beat defenders on uh, while dribbling. I don't think that's really a, a, a huge part of his game. What I would point to almost more than anything, actually, is bringing it round to what happens without the ball as much as what happens with yeah. the ball and saying yeah. that it's Mobama's energy out of possession. It's his constant chasing, constant hurrying, constant pressing that creates the kind of basketball-like conditions that allow our players to start to really thrive. It's That's when a Thomas Suchek starts to really come into the game in, in, in the best kind of way, is when the ball is pinging end-to-end all the time. Because where's he, where's he best? Winning the second ball and heading it, back from a defensive perspective, and then charging forward and getting on the end of crosses at at, at the other end. And exactly the same if you're thinking about someone like Vladimir Sufal, you want him on the carry. So all of these parts of games where it starts to go end-to-end, lots of long balls, which is created by having a striker like Mabama who chases everything, forces centre-backs into positions where they're uncomfortable, forces goalkeepers to punt it long in a not particularly secure way. We can win it with our players at the back of the pitch who are, much better often in the air than, than opposition players, although knife are good again in this one. I didn't think was good enough anywhere yeah. near good enough in the air. Should have been a lot better, really disappointed with how he performed in the air again. Um, but that's when those players start to look at their best. And actually, I think in many ways, also because of the lack of cohesive build up, it's when the individual star quality starts to show up in a bigger way as well. It's when players like Kudas start to look really, really impressive because yeah. the game opens up, it becomes more disorganized and their individual quality can show a little bit more than it can when you're trying to build in this 316 shape. The, the opposition sat in a 442 quite comfortable and got two players on him at all times. So, it's that off the ball stuff that I think is really, really important.
0: I think as well in in a slightly less obvious way, but in something that we've seen develop recently, and I suppose it's not that surprising given Moise's uh, love of a of a set piece routine. But in Mubama, if he's going to harry people into not being able to get the ball out confidently we've seen him force a few throw-ins in deep areas and now that Sufal seems to have developed quite a reliable long throw as well yeah. it means that we're creating opportunities from dead ball situations where we can afford to push Gerd, Zuma, Suchek into the box and defend in rest defense as if it's a corner as if it's a free kick in the exact same way because we're, we're pumping the ball into the box and we saw it cause a few problems against Burnley <laughs> I think Suchek uh, had a chance. Um, West just launched it into the box. And if Mubama is going to force one, two, three of those chances a game where we have a throw-in in a deep area, we might not score from them, but it's particularly given our, our struggles under Moyes in sort of chance creation from open play, out of possession if you can force three set-piece scenarios, which we've proven to be one of the best teams in the league at, like, it's small margins. And and that's something, again, that Ings is not really going to do because that that few yards of pace that Mbama has on him, if if Ings is the one pressing, the the centre-back can play a pass into the midfielder or or he can compose himself enough to, even if he is going long, at least find the centre of the pitch. He might, Like you say, Zuma might win the header, but it's not going out for a throw, whereas if you put him under so much pressure that they ended just kicking it into touch, all of a sudden, we've maintained that pressure, we've, we've got final third presence again and we have the potential to create another chance. So I think, yeah, I, and I suppose that Sort of it it makes sense to touch on Sofal here briefly, who I thought there wasn't that many shining lights in this game, but I thought again against a very tricky opposite number, um clearly Burnley's best player on the day. I thought he handled himself pretty well, um obviously Colyosho got in behind a bit, he's rapid again, we know that sofal' not not blessed with pace um but yeah i I don't think he really there was moments, obviously a few hairy moments, but I don't think he did.
1: All they should have had a penalty. Much. It, that you know, that's the that that's the big moment that he had was the was the moment where Coliochi goes goes down. I I think it should have been the penalty. I was very surprised that it wasn't a, a penalty. Yeah. What what it's worth saying about Suvar is that in 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 the last two games actually against Forrest and uh, and Burnley he's had tricky wingers to deal with blessed with pace who are clear important in fact crucial outlets for their teams he has had moments where he struggled defensively but what he has done is pushed really aggressively going the other way and caused those players problems um from from a defensive perspective for the opposition and i think he he's been an important player for us going forward in fact a key player for us going forward in in recent matches and and one thing that i would remark on as as being sort of impressed with from this one was was just a couple of really simple free kicks he won like went down a bit e- easily free kicks, <laughs> yeah. just very easily on two occasions just sort of slumped to the ground under yeah. pressure wins a free kick and that's what we're talking about it's just those couple of set piece situations you start to get to pump the ball into the box against a team with brittle confidence that's where it comes for us that's when you that's can get it. to the point where you're coming into a podcast and saying Hey, we didn't play that well. But we cheese the win. And it's those moments where Souffle wins a few free kicks, pushes really aggressively going forward, creates a few moments where there's throw ins and, and corners or whatever. And Mabama's doing the same thing, pressing, winning a couple of throw ins, forcing the ball long so we can keep pumping it forward ourselves. That's enough. That's almost yeah. enough against teams like this. And, and, and. That's the sort of funny thing about West Ham against Dave Moyes is that we don't always play brilliantly against these teams, but you know that West Ham are doing all right in a season when you're winning them because yep. you're doing just enough as a unit to force enough lack of organisation and flow in the game that someone like Kudus, who we should really talk about in in, in in depth in terms of an indiv- individual performer, um, can come into it and, and show what he's good at. And um, I said this on, on, on Hamletics with Charlie, I, don't, I wouldn't call him a, an outstanding finisher. I wouldn't call him uh, an outstandingly reliable chance creator. But he creates a lot of chances and scores a lot of goals. So I'm not sure why I'm not calling him either of those things. Because he's got a ridiculous <laughs> final third upside. The guy just creates goals for you. Um, just what, a, what a great player to have in the squad. What, an, what a great player to have um, in moments like this where he just pops up after being completely out of the game in the second half pops up with a moment a couple of moments of of really really outstanding quality we took it all we brought them to our land an endless night ember hot and icy cold the rage of the earth we made this curse carved it in the blood on our backs we did not see We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com.
0: Yeah, I think that's it. And it kind of is a perfect segue, really, if we're going to talk about the Moise system. is is It is built on fine margins, right? And forcing throw-ins and creating long throw opportunities is a fine margin where you can We have the squad to capitalise on and similarly, it's a system of moments and you need players like Kudus who in games like this where things are not really happening, it's pretty dull, it's pretty drab and you have players with technical ability to just out of nowhere get on the ball and go, you know what, sud this. I'm just going to whip this absolutely delicious ball into the back post and it's going to to go in. It turns out we've
1: got one of the best bots crashing with films in the world (laughs) to get on the end of it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, maybe we are good at squad building. Maybe not. (laughs) Maybe not. Um, But yeah, I I thought he was was fantastic. Um, And uh, we've spoken a lot on the podcast about the... Very, very strong relationship between Emerson and Lucas Pakata on the left hand side, and how crucial that's been for us this season. Um, and I think we're now starting to see a relationship develop on the right hand side, um, which is going to be equally crucial. And I think for a good few weeks, we were sort of eager to see Kudus uh break into the first team into the starting 11 and sort of. We were wondering where that would be. Um, I think we both the, wanted
1: to see him in the middle, but yeah, yeah. It's it's we'd have to say he's done really well on the right, hasn't he? I think that's really worked for him.
0: Yeah, 100%. And I think the reason we wanted to see him in the middle is because of how adept he is at sort of spotting pockets of space before anyone else spots them, whether that's his teammates or whether that's the opposition. Uh, and we saw it against Burnley, um, I think, for the own goal where it's you think it's well it is a simple run in behind really um and Bernie could have defended it better but Ward-Prowse spots it he kind of he's he's going towards Ward-Prowse which I guess makes the defenders think he's doing what Kudas usually does which is drop into the half spaces in front of the defenders to receive the ball and make something happen there and as he walks towards him he then spins in behind and and finds that pocket of space which he's kind of neglect he's almost ignored it to an extent, which makes the defenders think they don't need to worry about it. And then, like a flash, he's there and and instantly he's created a chance. And I think that's it, his sort of spatial awareness and the rate at which he scans in those attacking areas and is able to just reliably get on the ball. And I think combine that with what is, I can only say, an incredible first touch from what I've seen. Uh, Just the way he receives with his back to goal and just... Uh, he's not even stationary. like He's already rolling towards the goal and just like traps it on the laces of his foot and just sort of scoops it mid-air and he's just already going towards the goal. And We've seen it in so many games and I think we saw it in this one with uh, Ward Prowse obviously fizzing that pass into his feet and I was incredibly impressed that he managed to take it down as well as he did but not only keep it under wraps but then do all the magic that he did afterwards where he just what looked like a nothing moment where I would have been quite happy if he'd have just trapped it and played it back into the midfield and we'd have created a chance through possession but no he he instead uses his upper body strength and his ass to roll the defender and then uses his delicate feet and low centre of gravity to dribble past the next ones and then yeah his creativity to to ball into a very dangerous area and I think the only downside was that it wasn't a Mubama goal because I think we were all yearning for that and I think he was very unfortunate not to not to get it really because he his movement, Mubama's, was great, the sort of run yeah. across the defender to to hit that blind spot at the perfect moment where it's in the blind spot of the front post defender and he doesn't know he's there, but he's quick enough over those three, four yards to get away from the defender that's marking him. So that sort of box movement is is great and again to bring it full circle the box movement is the one thing that we've said Danny Ings is great at and that's why he's good in the team because his movement in the box is great and if we can get the ball into those positions then he'll finish him but in in a 30 minute cameo mobama has shown that he also has great box movement so another tick towards mobama's name <laughs>
1: Yeah, and I think the 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 only thing I'd add to that really, when you're talking about the right-hand side uh, relationship developing, and also how we probably preferred him in the in in the ten position, and I still think he'd be very good for us in the ten position. Why he's been good in the wide area is actually bringing it to that sort of macro lens as we talk about with build-up and saying that we generally prefer to build out wide. He helps us access the middle because mm-hmm. of how good he is at turning from the wide space, receiving back to goal, and then driving into the middle. Yep. When he's got the right cover, and we did that better in the second half, I thought. Um, when Suchek dropped deeper, second half, we change. Pacato comes into the, into the 10 position when Benrama comes on. I just thought we were so much better when Benrama and yeah. Mbama came on. Not just Mbama. It is worth shouting out that Benrama as an outlet, as a carrier is useful to us in a, in a, in a not dissimilar way. Cause if you're talking about how Mbama lacks some of the dribbling attributes that Antonio gives us, Benrama gives us some of that, the ability to carry up the left side of the pitch. Just get the ball to the final third, access the final third in a more direct, simple way. It's not as a cohesive unit how we're we building up to access it. It's just we've got some players who are going to press, win win the ball back. Ben Rama actually is better at that than he ever used to be. He's quite good, I would say, from a defensive engagement when the ball's ahead of him. Um, I think he's good at that. Ward Prowse um, being able to go forward at times as well and press in a way that he wasn't able to in the first half. That that helps us because he's more of a front-footed. Um, defender so those things come together to allow us to access the final third more regularly and because there's that le- little layer of extra protection and because we're playing better in that time of the game we see Kudas spinning into more central areas more 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 regularly and that's when you get to see Souffal flying up on the overlap and then he wins set pieces or or, or can, can whip the ball in himself and I just like how that works for the two of them Bowen was very good at receiving and driving inside but was often forced back and you see uh, Kudas more regularly being able to drive on the diagonal which Means Sufal is able to be more impactful on the overlap a, a, as well. So that, that relationship looks really good. And, and if we're looking at ways to access the center, putting him wide first so he can drive from there to get us to the center actually does make quite, quite a lot of sense. If we're lacking the kind of players who can play straight through the lines to the middle of the pitch anyway, and we don't really work cohesively as a unit to access those areas, um, through, through the actual starting number 10, um, himself. Moving on um, to the sort of last thing we wanted, so we're doing a little bit of a shorter episode um, for this one, but well, the last thing we wanted to talk about again, bringing it to that to that off-ball stuff and um, Suchek scores late in the game from actually when he's playing deeper um, on paper, um, but started at 10 um, in this one and one of the things I wanted to talk about is how there's a little bit, you know, false logic is maybe not the best way of putting it, but how it doesn't necessarily work to say, oh, because Ings is starting up front, what we'll do is we'll put Thomas Sutrich in as the number 10 so that you um ameliorate some of the maybe lack of physicality issues that you create by having Ings as the starting striker. Actually, I think the bigger issue it creates is what we talked about with pressing and how Mabama helps compared to Ings in terms of his energy, his ability to get across yards quicker to close down centre-backs, you have the same problem with Thomas Suchek. You compound it in a way with Suchek as the 10. Because although he is physically very strong and good in the air, from a opposition unsettled build-up point of view, the two of them, Ings and Suchek, they're not blessed with speed. So in terms of getting around, you see a lot of moments in the first half where I would say they're both doing the right things. You know, they're both running on the right angles at the right times right triggers all of that stuff but they're just not quick enough so burnley yep. are able to play it to the center, uh, to the across to the other center back and then access the midfield or goalkeeper center back access the midfield it was too easy for burnley to bypass the two of them when they decided to jump out and press just because things is towards the end of his career he's not that quick a- anymore and he wasn't rapid i would say in in, in the first place and suchek you know he's Bringing in that massive frame of his lumbering, <laughs> this huge frame of his around the pitch, which makes it hard for him to get to to, to to things really quick. Um so although you might be saying, hey, we're solving this physicality issue, maybe we're making ourselves a little bit more effective from long balls, also Suchek is quite good at winning second balls, so things maybe fails to win the first one, maybe Suchek will pick up the bits and pieces. Actually, what you see is that the lack of pace means that the positioning isn't necessarily always right, and they're bypassed um, when teams are building up and trying to play through. Um, so, so my my to, to my point really to 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 wrap that up. Is, um, although we were better with Pakatar, who, who added energy from number 10, I thought actually off ball, he was quite good in this one. I thought he did a lot of good work. He even started the first half, right, right through the first half, I would say actually off the ball. Um, he was quite energetic, snapping into tackles and, and did the same towards the end of the match for us as well, supported Mbama, good energy about him. Um, it's Ward Prowse again and saying that that front footedness. You know, earlier in the season, that's the way it was. It was Suchek and and Alvarez deeper, uh, um, Ward-Prowse in the 10 position. And that's switched recently. And it's been more Suchek as the number 10 and Ward-Prowse deeper. And we've tried to use Ward-Prowse more as a progressive player and someone who can help us in build-up. I understand all of that. Um, But the blend out of possession, specifically out of possession, um, looks so much better when Ward-Prowse is able to get further forward and Suchek is able to be deeper. I think it makes both of them better um but i don't think you lose too much of Suchek's ability to crash the box as you see with the with the goalie scores right at the end of uh, uh, of this one so yeah i'd be interested to see that maybe reversed and to see we will press further forward again um and Suchek deeper even if it makes us worse in possession i'm happy for us to just be direct and uh, uh, and because the because the settled build up stuff as we've talked about so much isn't really working anyway
0: yeah Yeah, I think three points I would add on that. Um, I think on the one hand, I think it would arguably play to one of our strengths as well. Um, We are a transition side. um, And I think it's easy to think of a transition side as sitting deep and breaking in on the counter. But You can be a transitional side and still be front footed. Um, rather than waiting to transition, you force the transitions yourselves. And having James Ward-Prowse, who for the last however many seasons, um, even in a struggle in side, has been one of the best counterpressors in the league uh, in, in that position. Um, if when inevitably our attacks break down in the final third and you've got James Ward-Prowse there to harry the defender who's just won the tackle or won the interception to break our move, occasionally Ward-Prowse is going to harry the defender enough that he then loses the ball and then we've got we've received the ball in the middle of the park or in the final third going up against the defense or an opposition rather who have just set up to spark their own counter they're all out of position all of a sudden we're in a counter-attacking situation albeit not an orthodox one that we're used to where sort of a girdle or zoomer heads the ball out and then we break from deep we're actually arguably in a better position because there's far less ground to cover to the goal so you then got to rely on Ward-Prowse picking a pass, which from deep we've criticised him, but I think both of us are in agreement that his his ball-playing ability around the box, or at least in the, in the final third, is actually quite impressive. And, and we see it for uh, the kudus assist where he sort of, like we said earlier, makes that run in behind and Ward-Prowse spots it, plays it in, perfectly weighted, and, and we end up scoring from it. So I think in that respect, um, yes, it's sort of counterintuitive to what Moyes tends to do he doesn't like to be an aggressive pressing side but we don't even have to be that but just in having Ward Prowse there who knows when to spring on and who to spring on to we can sort of force our own transitions and sort of play to our strengths in that respect because we'll be creating more counter-attacking opportunities and therefore we'll be more threatening because that is the best way that we have of attacking so it makes sense to try and create as many transitions as possible rather than letting the opposition dictate how many transitions we have by waiting for them to attack and if they as we've seen if they kind of just keep possession and don't try and force attacks then we don't get many transitional opportunities so then that's when you get Ward-Prowse springing on um go on
1: I was just going to say I think it's worth saying at this point even though we 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 like that as a as an idea and I think we, we both think that, that the off-ball stuff would really help us and um, be more engaged defensively, force teams uh, to be less comfortable on the ball, create more transitional moments for us, which we would thrive in. It is worth saying that maybe one of the main reasons it hasn't happened, if you think about when War Prowse was playing further forward, it was when we were expecting to be deeper, expecting to have less possession. So the build-up content of what we did was less important. But in games mm-hmm. like against Burnley, perhaps one of the worries is there's met, there could be a little bit, too much flux in how the midfield looks from an out-of-possession standpoint to an in-possession standpoint if Alvarez is dropping into the back line and build up because in those transitional moments you're looking for ward to come out of deep midfield as, as your sort of natural first receiver um, on the second line as what uh, the only receiver <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> on the sec- second line and moving forward into the 10 position and Suchek dropping off. And in that moment, does that create just a little bit too much space for teams to be able to build up too easily and get through you? Because actually all three midfielders are moving from where they are in the in possession shape into a different place in the out possession shape. And you do need to keep some stability in there rather than having everyone moving all at once. And I, if that is the issue again, for me, it comes back around to midfield building and finding as much as we love to have these like single upside guys, these guys that are really exceptional at one thing. And I understand that's part of building a squad effectively when you don't have the kind of money that some of the teams in the league do. You kind of do want to find people who are exceptional at maybe one or two things and then build your squad around making those players the best versions of themselves. It does increasingly seem to me like we do need to find at some point in this midfield where... Possibly next summer, some profile of, you know, a bit more of an all rounder, someone who can do all of the, all of the things to a decent level and can just sit stable in the middle of the pitch. And if that means that in games like this, Ward Prowse does need to be a left winger at times, so be it, you know, so be it. So if he's so important from a, from a, from a set piece point of view, he's going to have to play that position just so that we've got that stability in midfield and we're able to be more effective as a pressing team because it probably creates just a little bit too much uh, brittleness in our midfield from a from an out-of-possession point of view if people are, are in there with with certain abilities that are really strong, but too many things that are probably not functioning to their best level when we don't have the ball.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. And it just pains me that Matt Weefer's stocks are probably too high now for us to really stand a chance of getting him because he would have been the boy, I think. And I think he will go on to be a very very elite number six i would say um in terms of his profile six foot three very happy to receive um also happy to just be that sort of third man in in respect of just bringing the third player into it by being a sort of bounce pass option um Mm -hmm. not necessarily being the one that actually takes it forward but allows you to pass into the interior to then ping it back out into the channel for the fullback to carry forward, um, rather than accessing them directly. But yeah, I think he will go somewhere better than West Ham, frankly. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I'm, yeah, I, I'm in complete agreement. I know I said I had three points on WordPress earlier, but, uh, I've, I'm ill and I forgot them. So we'll just move on.
1: <laughs> Amazing. I'm sorry. Um, so yeah I, I i think i think it's just one of those things where I, I wanted to bring it back around to that when i could just to say that as much as you know there's maybe an idealistic way of looking at it and saying yes it would be great if we could get world into into higher positions of the pitch if you're going to have 50 percent possession in a game how many transitions are they going to be and how many awkward moments you're going to have where you're just reshuffling the, the the deck in the middle of the pitch too much yeah it creates too many moments for teams to get through you it's perhaps just one of the issues we have in the way that the squad has built the season and one of the things that we're going to have to tolerate in these kind of games and if you sat down in a room with Moyes would he say look we're winning that's the important thing at the end of the day it's not perfect I agree it's not perfect but what what are the results and and at the moment we're winning these games we're coming out on the right side of them and I'd have to throw my hands up and say yeah that's yeah That's absolutely true at at this point. I'd also then come back and say, can we win the Brentford and Everton ones as well? You
0: know, (laughs) It's what Um. he does. It's what he does. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry. Only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands. All hand-finished and graded for excellence.
1: Alright, so um, week coming up we'll be covering on the next podcast uh, TSC Bachka Topola and Crystal Palace um, two games that I unfortunately don't think are going to be massively interesting to us we talked about them just before we recorded Cal and I went through I'm not sure whether the TSC game is going to be too exciting hopefully we get to see a start from Divine Mbama it would be really yeah. interesting to assess how he could be for us going forward um, obviously it's not perfect because it's, a, it's a, obviously a different level of opposition and, and European football functions a bit differently anyway um, but it would be really good to see for him and it would be really good uh, f- for us in terms of perspective of having that option and, and always trusting that option in in, in the squad as, as, a, as a more mobile striker than, than Danny Ying, someone that can support the way that we play a little bit better. And then Crystal Palace there's po- there's reasons to be positive, they've got key injuries, it's a shame for them they've, they've been really struggling to get their first 11 together all season, Elise obviously being injured at the start Francis had injury trouble I think as well um, and then in the Luton Town game they lost uh, Eze and Decore who are basically the progressive heart of the team aren't they i mean they do most of the the in possession the key in possession stuff in terms of getting them from from a to b um so i wonder if they'll go back to resorting to more of the, the kind of anderson switches and anderson long balls in that game and whether that will help us a bit because they'll be more direct that probably plays to to our strengths a little bit more and um when i was looking at their goals they've you know, goals conceded they've they've conceded from corners they've conceded from crosses they've conceded from second ball situations from long balls and um and really noticeable actually that those situations have cropped up when Will Hughes has been in the team who is the natural replacement for for Decore so um I wonder if we'd be looking at something very similar to what we've been looking at over the last few weeks where where it becomes about you know can we get enough Play in the final third. Can we access the final third enough? Where we can just sort of lump it into the box enough from wide positions that something eventually cracks because we've got height, we've got players, we're good in those areas, um, and and enough to basically get get ahead in these games. Um, big question for us defensively. will be controlling um, Elise, who um, I know it's a it's a terrible result for power and at Luton, but I thought he was he was quite impressive in in, in that game. Um, so yeah, uh, uh, I suppose an interesting an interesting week coming forward from a couple of angles but um i think we could be seeing a lot of what we've seen over the last before the international break and, and afterwards but we'll assess it all um on i'd be a little bit earlier than this one this one's been a bit delayed because there's been stuff going on with rainbow laces i might be pitch side actually on the, um for the for, for Ooh, the past look out for for your boy let's um, go. And um, until then, check out analyticsunited.co.uk forward slash members. I have not have been working on prideofirons.com web updates. So the web updates, I promise, for AU haven't happened yet. But that URL is changing. It's going to change uh, very soon. So everything I've been saying on all the podcasts at this point is going to be outdated. Because <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm literally working on an update for that page. But um, but yeah, please do go over there to support the pod. Uh, it massively helps um, us continue to to do the work that we do. Because Scout is well i mean soon enough they're going to be asking me for organs um so so yeah please please do um help help continue help allow us to 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 continue to make the podcast and um and thanks for tuning in thank you cal um pleasure as always two very sickly ginger west ham um we'll catch you in a week when hopefully the voices will be sounding a little thank you see you in a bit